this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Hallelujah. So, good to see you all looking beautiful. We have been preaching about kingdom culture. Great to be part of a a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And we are looking at the culture. What does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of heaven? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does that look like? We want to make sure we fit in. You know, when you go to another culture, you don't want to sort of stand out badly and do the wrong thing. Go to Thailand, you know, it's a very different culture when we go to Thailand. You have to cover your shoulders if you go into church and dress differently and and you have to pretend you're older than you are because when we first started going to Thailand and we were only in our 30s, they don't listen to you when you're in your 30s. It's like, yeah, you're young. So I remember I had to tell people how old, when I was was getting older, but they didn't recognise my age so much because... You know, they just thought I looked young. I don't think it was that I actually looked young to westernise, but I think to their eyes I did. But anyway, and I used to say, oh, I have a son. He's, he's 20 or however old he was. You know, I'd try to – and they go, oh, okay, okay, we'll listen to you. And I love that part of their culture. So, you know, you've got to sort of tell them how old you are. But in this, when you're in this culture, you want to look young because if you look too old, apparently – not in this church, but in some places, you know, they don't want to listen to you anymore. Oh, you're old. You don't really want to. So everyone's desperately trying to look younger. So it's like, I'm young. I'm, I'm young and amazing. So listen to me. It's like, in that instance, I actually prefer the Thai culture. I think that's, that makes sense. They honour their elders. But you kind of fit in with the culture that you're in. So that's why I'm desperately trying to look young. <laughs> not really. I'm not. I'm really not. <laughs> but I think that that's kind of the logical point of that anyway. So praise God, we have a culture and it's a good one. And the thing about kingdom culture, perhaps the most important thing that we need to be aware of is the king. Kingdom culture, it means the king's domain. That's the kingdom. It's all about the king. Let's look in Revelations chapter 19 and I just want to look at verse 16. What does it say about our king here? Verse, well, actually in verse 11, John went to heaven and he had a, a, a vision of heaven. And one of the best parts of his vision, he saw heaven opened. He saw a white horse and he saw the one that sat on the horse, faithful and true. He judges and he makes war. His eyes were like flames of fire. He's, he just had those burning eyes that were so beautiful. On his head he had many crowns. And down in verse 16, there's more there, you can read it. Revelations 19 verse 16. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he, he is his father's son. So they're kind of work together. So God, the Father, is also obviously King of kings and Lord of lords. So the very most important thing that we can remember is that God is King. Jesus is King. He is the Lord. He's the boss. We have a King. 
We love our king. We talk about two kingdoms. There are two kingdoms on this earth. There's this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of our God. There's his kingdom and there's the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom where everyone else is who doesn't follow Jesus. There's a kingdom, it's called the kingdom of darkness. And that's where the devil and all his demons are. And I think sometimes we sort of think of the, of the, the kingdoms a little bit like, well, there's this kingdom, you know, Christians. And, we, and then there's the kingdom of darkness and they do their stuff. It's like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's not like that at all. It's like this. The kingdom of heaven and God. And then there's this little tiny ball down here with a foot over the top, which is our foot, Jesus' foot. And under that foot, not crushed yet. It's got a little bit, little bit left to go. There's the kingdom of darkness. That's what it's like. It's not, it's not like an equivalent thing. It's not like God and the devil. It's like God is king of kings. He's Lord of lords. We are on the winning side. Listen to this. Psalm 115, 2 and 3. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. He's the boss. He's the Lord. He's the king. He's the, the ruler. He's the father. He's the one. He does whatever pleases him. Look in Psalm 103 verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. His kingdom rules over all. He is completely in charge. He's not lost control. He's not worried about COVID. He's aware. He knows what's going on. He has a plan. A little mysterious at times. We don't always understand it, but he's totally in control. We don't need to worry. We don't need to think, oh, oh I don't know, has he got this covered? It's like, no, no, he's the king of kings. He's in control. He has a grand master plan and it's all happening just the way he planned it. Really, really. He created the whole world. He created man and woman and then man and woman, he created us with free will and then they decided to do their own thing. We all decided to do our own thing. But he, he wasn't phased. He's not phased by sin. The devil decided to do his own thing too. He wasn't phased. He's like, all right, that's all right. He chose a people. And he said, through those people, through that people, I will reveal my will and my ways. They were the Jewish people and he loves them. He still loves them. And he chose this one people to show the rest of the world his ways and teach them his laws. And he gave his laws and he showed them the temple. And then when the time came when people realized, we can't keep your laws, God. We're not doing a good job here. And I know. He wasn't worried. He's like, I know you can't do a good job. So then he sent his son Jesus at the exact right time and Jesus died and finished off, as we heard from Craig, thank you, finished off that old system, started a new system at exactly the right time. The plan's all coming to pass. Then he sent his Holy Spirit so that he could help us all to live like this and then he started his church. And he says he'll build his church the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And the church has been being built over the last 2,000 years. He's got this grand plan. It's all happening exactly as he planned. Exactly. And then one day, he'll wrap it all up. And go, all right, time for the earth to finish. New heaven, new earth. He's totally in control. He's winning. He has won, actually. He has won. John 16, Listen to this. These things... I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, trouble, difficulty. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 
The word there for overcome is one. Nike. The famous company might have nicked that. <laughs> I have won. I've won. I've, I've won. Jesus said, I've won. It's actually already done. I've already won. He said, I've won. Let's get that in our hearts because we are on the winning team. So part of being in the kingdom of heaven is this incredible confidence, this sense of we've won. We're we're on the winning team. We started hockey again last night. It was fun. First time was all a bit different, you know, COVID friendly. We weren't allowed to use the dugout. We weren't allowed to shake hands, but really cool with the sticks, which is, Yeah. I like that. I was saying to someone, we all need hockey sticks. It's a very cool way, much better than the elbow thing. You just cruise up to someone else. At the end of the game, we all just around, click, click, click. Everyone just, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I like that. Um, and we won, so that was nice. We don't always win, but we won first game back, and um, so that was good. But I remember we went through a season, and it was quite some time ago now, and we won always. We won like eight, ten years in a row, the grand finals. We just always won. We were like the winners. And it was a good feeling. And I can remember having that sort of sense of just, just kind of easy confidence. You know, we were the, yeah, Erin, I think we, were, we weren't the first grade team. We were like Erin a two or something. And we just kind of, oh, Erin a two, yeah. Oh, no. And other people, you see them, oh, no. They're like the good team. They always win. And we were like, yeah, we always win. And we would just kind of win. And occasionally we'd lose the odd game through the season, but it's like, don't worry, we got this. We got, this, we got the grand finals. And it was just a good feeling, you know, just being the winner. And you just try to be really humble now, I've been told in this, I'm not to mention terrible Trojans, because in the rugby world on the Central Coast, they are, this is them, they always win, but no one likes them, <laughs> because it is very difficult when you win every year for 10 years to stay humble. <laughs> so some teams have a problem with that. In fact, speaking of, speaking of staying humble, um, has any, did anyone watch The Last Dance, the documentary? Didn't anyone? Put your hand up. Did anyone? This story is going to fall flat if no one. Okay, a few people watched it. So you should watch it. It's really great if you get Netflix, The Last Dance. It's a documentary about the Chicago Bulls basketball team. Now, I'm not a basketball fan, but interestingly, after watching that documentary, I am now a basketball fan. I used to think, ah, basketball, you know, it's just a tall person's game. If you're tall, you're good. If you're not, you know, you're not. Seriously, I mean, you've got to be tall, you know. It's like it's a a game for freaks. But um, (laughs) they are. They're so tall. They're like crazy tall. So, you know, if you're crazy tall, you're good at it and the rest of us can't play basketball. But anyway, um, having watched that documentary, I am just – I became a fan and apparently they said that throughout all the shutdown, the isolation – because of this documentary, basketball was one of the few sports that actually gained following. When no one could play sport, everybody started liking basketball. I started liking basketball. And it was because of this documentary, because just watching the Chicago Bulls under Michael Jordan. I mean, you know, Aaron or two, that's one thing. But, I mean, I, I just couldn't believe the skill. I, I, just, I just have never been so fascinated by his skill in a sports person I really haven't like Michael Jordan was amazing I just didn't I didn't get it I didn't know you have to watch this guy play it's just I can't believe the things that he did mid-air you know he sort of glides through several people and then mid-air he just seems to change direction and then get the ball in the hoop I'm just like uh, uh, uh." and I stopped the I stopped it and rewound it and said, I have got to see that again. How can, how can you do that? And I did that. I would do that several times throughout the, doc, the thing. I'm just like, I cannot believe such movement is possible. So 
the point is that when they were winning and they won, I think the, they won the NBA grand final competition six years, which was amazing. And it was thanks largely due to Michael Jordan and a few of his buddies there, Scotty Pippen and a few others. But he was a winner. And just that confidence that comes with knowing that you've got Michael Jordan on your team and you're the winner. They were just, when he played, it was like, yeah, yeah we got this because we got Michael. And yeah, he's got some buddies. I mean, he didn't do it alone. But still, we got Michael. And he's, we're going to win. And, you know, they did. I mean, they had to work at it. And they, they might have been a little bit cocky about that. <laughs> but guys, we have Jesus. He is the King of Kings and he has won. He's won. And he's winning. And he's winning right now. He just keeps winning because he's already won. And we need to have a certain confidence about us. That is part of kingdom culture, is to know we're not, we're not like the little Christians, the sad little Christians, like, oh, those daggy little Christians hiding away. That's not us. We're not like, um, oh, you're so pathetic. Like, what do you believe? Like, oh, that, I, you can, the world can say that if they want, but we need to understand we are the Chicago Bulls times a million. Okay, guys? We need to walk tall. Chin up and know we are on the winning team. We need to act like that and behave like that. We do not need to be ashamed. We're the winners. We're the ones. We are right. We really are. Not because I'm right or you're right, but because Jesus is right. Because God is right. And he is the king of kings and we're on his team and he is in control. And I know sometimes the world looks a little bit crazy, but... That mess is thanks to the devil and thanks to people who follow the devil and there is a bit of a mess. But God is God and he, he works it for good and he will work everything for good. He's not afraid of people dying because he can take them home to heaven. So death's not like a big, we're, we're terrified of death. It's like, oh, death, people are dying. It's like, yes, people are dying every day, all the time. Everybody dies. Like, it doesn't worry God. He knows who's dying and he loves them and he looks after their lives, each individual. Joseph said this when, when he was struck by all sorts of evil several thousand years ago and he got you know, sold off into slavery and life wasn't very good for him. But he says in Genesis 50 verse 20, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is to this day, to save many people alive. That's the way it always is with God. Because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he's in control doesn't matter what happens. Joseph's thinking, what is going on with my life? His brothers want to kill him and instead sell him into slavery. He becomes a slave. He works his way up as a slave and then he gets falsely accused of raping the, the guy's wife, the master's wife. Well, that's not good. So then he gets thrown into prison. <laughs> that's not, you know, his life just seems to be getting worse and worse. Gets thrown into prison. Even in prison, they forget about him. Until finally God delivers him from prison and he is raised up to be the prime minister of Egypt. And God spoke to him about a famine. He can save, he, he basically collects food in ahead of time and he just does this incredible thing where he turns around and saves not only his own family but all the people around him from the famine. The devil, the people around us, whoever meant it for evil but God meant it for good. That's the way it works. He's the king. He's in control. All the things that may look evil, God will work these things for good. He'll work it for good, especially when we're with him. So he's the king of the kings, the Lord of lords. Now, point two, he is Lord. 
So we see his kingdom, his kingship in the whole wide world. We need to see it in our own world as well. He needs to be Lord of my life and your life. It's not good enough to say, oh, yeah, God's in control. He'll do it. It's like, yeah, but what about me? The devil's great deception to Eve right from the beginning is you won't die. It'll be all right. Do what you want. Disobey. You'll be like God. It was the great lie. It's the great, the ultimate lie of each of us, for each of us, that we have to address. And it's essentially this lie. I can do my own thing. I don't need God. I'm king of my own world. I did it my way. (laughs) The most popular song at funerals, or at least it was. Crazy. I'm like, are you crazy? You did it your way? And how'd that work out for you? Or perhaps more modern thing is, I do what I want. You know? (laughs) The people who laugh probably shouldn't have laughed because you know where the reference is from, but whatever, it's a cute reference. So I do what I want. I mean, that's, this is the thing. If he's the king, we have to accept that he's the king of our lives. That the fundamental thing, and it, it's, it's for all of us, is am I going to accept him as king? And is he going to be king in my life, lord of my life? Or am I going to rule myself? This is the big decision that each of us have to make. This is the ultimate issue. Self-rule versus God-rule. The kingdom culture is all about God's rule. It's all about God's rule, and it's quite different from the world here. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. The moment you have a self at all, there is the possibility of putting yourself first, wanting to be the centre. In fact, wanting to be your own God. That was the sin of Satan, and that was the sin that he taught the human race. So we're going to have to decide whether we want to accept kingdom culture, which is to accept a culture of obedience, a culture of following. And this is a very different culture from the world. Listen to these words. Submission. Submit. Yield. Be meek. Be obedient. Be humble. They are not fashionable words. Why are they not fashionable words? Because we live in a culture that absolutely disagrees with this concept. Our culture is, you know, it's me. I can do what I want. I mean, once I've you know, got rid of my parents, now I'm doing what I want, don't I? Isn't that the way it works? It's like, no, it's not. This is a monarchy. And we live under a king and we work with him. I do, I don't, I mean, you know, some of you may be, or may not be monarchists. I don't know. But I, I, I love following the monarchy. I love watching them and watching the fashions and the whole thing. And I love the pomp and ceremony because I think it reminds us of a little, just a, just a smidgen of what it's going to be like in heaven when we have all sorts of amazing parades and Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. It's going to be fun. We'll probably have a parade. And then, you know, C3 Church, Narara, yay! And we'll just kind of march in, da 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 Yeah, <laughs> it'll be so fun. All the different churches will march in, all the nations. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Get the wave going on. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, so I like watching them. But I loved it when um, Prince Charles was invested as the Prince of Wales when he was a young lad and he has to kneel before his mother who's the Queen and he said these words I Charles 
Prince of Wales, do become your liege man of life and limb and of earthly worship and faith and truth, I will bear unto thee to live and to die against all manner of folks. <laughs> I love it. Who says such a thing on earth except the English royal family? <laughs> but it's kind of good. It teaches us something. It's like uh, it's just this sense of honour to this queen and I am your liege man of life and limb. And it's, it's good. You know, I don't mind that sort of stuff. But it's, it's mainly good. It doesn't, you know... There's not many cultures that can do that. We're certainly not going to do that with Trump or anyone. <laughs> even, even ScoMo, much as we love him, like it's not going to work. But we do have to have that attitude in our heart towards God. Your liege man of life and limb, I will do whatever you want me to do, God. I will obey. I will worship you. I will honour you. I will obey you straight away. And the wonderful part about obeying God is it's not like some sort of problem. He's not like a, he's, he's not a difficult king. He's not unpleasant. He's good. He is so good. Obeying our wonderful king is like a child obeying a beautiful father. He only wants good for his children. What father, good father, asks their child to do something that's bad or that they don't, you know, that will lead them to badness? God wants us to obey because he wants to bless us. So we have this attitude, not because he wants us to be servile and pathetic and lose our personality, but the exact opposite. He wants to raise us up to be princes and kings in his kingdom. He wants us to learn to rule. We don't, you know, and it's exciting as a Christian as you grow. It's not all just... What do you want me to do today? I'll do whatever you say, God. It, it becomes a, an exciting partnership as we grow. When we're very young Christians, it's kind of very basic. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, well, um, and because you might, when you're first a Christian, it's like, what, what, what do I do? What do I do as a Christian? It's like, you know, read the Bible. It's all there. Let's start with the Ten Commandments. Very basic. Worship God. No idols. Honour his name. Keep the Sabbath, i.e. go to church. Honour your mother and father and all subsequent authorities. Don't murder, no violence, don't commit adultery, no sexual sin, don't steal, don't lie, no greed, don't cover your neighbour's things. Just basic stuff, good stuff. If the world started with that, we'd be in a good place. So we start with that basics and we obey that because it's good. And when we do our own thing and we disobey even the Ten Commandments, we get in a mess. So we obey that. But as we grow, he raises us up. He wants us to rule and reign. There's going to come a time when he wraps up the earth when we're going to be ruling and reigning. I don't know what that's going to look like. So exciting. We're not, we're not growing as Christians and becoming wiser and better and more beautiful. And we should, by the way. Can we not plateau? If you're over 40 and you're a Christian, can you please keep growing? Can you please? I get really annoyed with Christians that are all keen when they're 18, 19, 20 and serving God and doing stuff for God. And then they kind of, yeah, I've been around for a while now. I'm just like, just pl the plateau. It's like no plateau. If you are 60, people who are 40 should look up to you because you are wiser and better and more beautiful than ever before. And if you are 80, you should be amazing, an amazing person. And the reason we're getting more and more amazing, not so we can just die and then do nothing, it's so that he's training us because we have a future. I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I do know there's a whole bunch of empty planets out there. Are we going to rule? Do we get to rule one? Are we going to go and have our own planets each and sort of 
start it up. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen afterwards, but it's going to be every bit as good and better than what's happening on this earth, our next life, because we're being trained on this earth. That's why we've got all these difficult times. It's training. You don't go to training and then, you know, I mean, we, you know, we do our, our little training for air and hockey. It's a bit sad. There's ways of cheating and lunges and stuff like that, but, um, <laughs> which I've learned over the years. But, you know, but you, the resistance and training is unpleasant in order to, for a purpose. You don't train just to be strong to do nothing. It's to, to do something. So it's going to be exciting and it's going to be wonderful. We obey him. And by obeying him and accepting him as our king, he raises us up to be more beautiful, to be wiser. When we obey straight away, we become who we're meant to become. When we disobey, we don't become who we're meant to be. It's as simple as that. So he is the king and he is Lord. He must be Lord of our lives. This is part of the kingdom culture. Embrace it. Love submission. Don't fight it. It works. Be excited about that. It's so different from worldly culture, isn't it? We submit. We, the Bible says submit to one another. If someone in the church says, have you thought about this? Think about it and maybe do it. It's so beautiful. We work together so well. It works out. So finally, he is king, he is Lord. He is right. He is right. He's always right. He's God. He made the whole place. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. So if God hates something, and there are many things that God hates, we need to hate it too, because that's part of the culture. Part of the culture is that the, the people in charge often set the culture. You know that? Like if you've got a, in, in family life, you know, there's even within each family, there's slightly different culture. We, we find it's fun when, you know, our kids get married, because they bring in a new culture. You know, like the tankards, for example, when Eleanor married Caleb, neither of them are here, so I can use them as an example. <laughs> oh, hi, guys. Uh, do you want to just switch the sound off? No, no, choking. Um, <laughs> but no, um, it's a good story. The tankards are very different from the browns. They have a different culture. They are, I don't know how to put this, darling, but they're just more relaxed, more, more they're more easygoing. They're just, you know, you know, everyone visits the tankards in Queensland and, and they just, they're just loving and... Queenstown, no one goes to Queensland, the Queenstown in, in New Zealand. They are just more, they're more spontaneous, they're just more easygoing than the Browns. There's just something kind of relaxed about them and Lynn and Paul, can I help, can I... It's just so pleasant to be with them and they, they flow, they're more flowy. They're more flowy than us. Whereas, meanwhile, back in the Browns, it's like, right... When are we having dinner? Chris's got to have dinner because he's got to get to bed before 9 o'clock. So we, we need to have dinner by 6.30. Where, where's dinner? Why haven't we got dinner? It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You know, it's like, it's just there's more of a sense of getting things done and there's a plan and we're going to do three or four things today because we all want to go to the beach. We want to go to the beach. We, we're all going to meet the beach. We're going to meet the beach. It's fun. It's really fun. But we've got to meet the beach now because if we don't go now, we won't get home for lunch at 12. And if we don't have lunch at 12, we, we won't have time to go for the bike ride this afternoon. And we've also got to take the dogs. We've got a bike ride, but we've also got to take the dogs for a walk to the beach. So we've got to race over and take the dogs. You want to meet us there? You can meet us there if you like, but we're going now, so you have to hurry up. And then you go back in time for dinner at 6.30, but babe, we've got to cook dinner. Well, you go home now, and you cook dinner, and I'll drive with him, and we'll cook. Okay, we'll get home. And we'll... It's like that. It's, it's really great. You get a lot done. It's fun. It is fun, but it's a particular kind of culture. 
And I know that, you know, there's, Justin's laughing. And I don't know who sets this culture. No, I do. It's, it comes from the top. It comes from the top. And Justin's laughing. Justin's laughing. He's really laughing because he's like entered into this culture and he's just like, whoa. We get things done in our family and it's all good. It's all fun things. But, you know, we do get a lot done, don't we, darling? Yay. We're happy. <laughs> Good. Um, so, so, you know, God has a culture too. And it comes from the top. You know, so you can't, you can, tr- you can bring, we do try to learn from the tankards, we do. And I'm sure, Justin, we will learn from the Coopers as well um, when you get a chance to say something. You know, but, <laughs> but, you know, you do, you learn from the different families because there's different culture. And it is actually wonderful. But with God, he sets the kingdom culture. So there's things that he hates. So I'm going to tell you some of the things that God hates because here's the deal. If he hates it, we hate it. True. He's the king. He gets to decide. And he's right. Okay, he's right. So this is what he hates. It's very clear. He's literally a proverb. Proverbs 6.16 literally says, these things the Lord hates. And there's other things. He hates pride. He hates pride. He hates lying. Hates it. So we hate it too. We don't lie. We hate it. Even little white lies. I used to have this debate with my dad about white lies. He goes, oh, I think a white lie is all right. And I go, no, it's a lie. There's no such thing as a white lie. If it's a lie, it's bad. And we used to have this debate. But um, no white lies. There's no such thing as a white lie. If it's a lie, it's a lie. Shedding innocent blood. If you love violence, God hates that. Planning evil, doing evil, God hates that. God hates a false witness. God hates anyone who, he doesn't hate the person, he loves people, but he hates this habit in the people, to sow disunity. God hates sexual sins and deviations. God hates hypocritical religion, vain sacrifices. He hates it when people pretend to be religious. They pretend he's the king and then they go out and do exactly what they want. He hates that with good reason. He actually is the king. He hates divorce, but he will forgive us because I know we, you know, it does happen, but he hates it. He hates witchcraft. He hates idol worshipping. He hates astrology and divination. He hates dishonest scales in business. These are just some of the things he hates. And this is our culture, so we hate those things too, and we avoid them. If they happen, he is also gracious. He forgives us, but let's avoid them. Here, on the other hand, is some of the things he loves. So this is more fun. He loves all people, everyone, every single person on this planet. He loves them. He knows them. He loves them. And he wants everyone to be part of this fabulous culture. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that Jesus died for you. That's the kind of culture we're in. An incredible Chris preached about a culture of giving. And he loves so much. He loves He's chosen people, the Jews. He loves Jewish people. Do you know that? They're a very special people. We need to recognise that because they were his first people that he chose. And now he loves his new people, the Christians. He loves his people. He loves Christians especially, people that follow him. He loves them. And he loves it when we love each other. He loves fellowship. He just says, oh, I love it when you get together and love one another, just as any parent does. He loves his creation. He called it good. He loves church. He loves this church. He loves church so much he called it his bride. How beautiful. So if he loves church, 
We love church. He never misses church. He loves being here. Let's have that same attitude. We love church. He loves worship. He loves giving. He loves righteousness. Loves it when people do the right thing. He loves justice. He's a God of justice. He loves Zion. He loves Jerusalem. It's his city. And one day he's going to make a new Jerusalem. Because <laughs> the current one has a few issues. So he's going to make a new Jerusalem. He loves excellence. He loves so many things I couldn't begin to tell you. So we love what he loves. We hate what he hates. Here are some things that set us apart from the culture of the world. And I'll finish with this. In the world, the kingdom of darkness, it's I am king. But in the kingdom culture, it's he is king. In the world, I decide. In the kingdom culture, is he decides. I follow. The world says, I, I teach others to be independent. Kingdom culture, he teaches me to make decisions with him. And I teach others how to follow him. I teach others how to follow him. In the world, it says, I'm free. I do what I want. But actually, you're a slave of sin because sin will get you in the end. Whereas kingdom culture is, I'm a sinner, but he has set me free. The world says I do what I want. Kingdom culture is, I can actually do what I really want, which is what he wants. It's a huge difference. The world is, it's my life. Kingdom culture, I give my life to him. It's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And in losing my life, I find my life. The world, I did it my way. The kingdom culture is, he is the way. Hallelujah. Which kingdom do you want to be part of? You have to choose. Because one of the incredible things about our king is that he gave us a choice to be part of this kingdom, this amazing kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the eternal kingdom, or this losing kingdom, kingdom of darkness. You have to choose what kingdom you're going to be a part of. That's part of our culture. It's freedom of choice, free will. We've got to choose. And if you're already in the kingdom of heaven, let me encourage you to allow him to be king. And in those areas of your life that are not yielded, yield. Just yield. It'll all work for good. It'll work for good. Hallelujah. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.